of the Bow River Brigade. My name is Shafe. Alongside me, we have Dylan, back from a bit of a sabbatical, and Doogie as well, as always alongside. Hello, hello. A lot to get to this week. We had three games since the last pod. A loss, a win, and a draw. Forge, York 9, and Edmonton, respectively. First, I wanted to touch on a little bit of controversy that happened at the York 9 game. One of the main guys from the foot soldiers got booted from the stand after getting upset that the venue had started using smoke flares when the foot soldiers had wanted to do that but were told no. And then the security guard probably overstepped and then kind of tried to double down in his reasoning for booting him, made accusations of racism, which has never been the case with any of the foot soldiers. Any of their chants have been quite family friendly. They're loud, they're enthusiastic, but it's never been anything derogatory or controversial. So I think what we're seeing here is a bit of growing pains. We're watching more people coming out. They have to bring in more security staff that have never worked an event like this. And there needs to be a little bit more communication between the front office of the cavalry and what the security staff should expect and what is acceptable. But from what I understand, the foot soldiers brass has been in touch with the cavalry front office and everything's going to be resolved nice and amicably and just a little bit better communication with the security staff that probably never really worked an event quite like this. Certainly not. I, I think that's the biggest issue with these kinds of events and it's been going on across the league i saw that forge has had some uh issues like this in the past and it's just a communication process between club and fans and trying to find a happy medium because a lot of people in canada are a bit surprised when they take in perhaps a game and see the supporter sections as wild as they can get calgary's very tame compared to a lot of the rest of the football world but there was talk online but oh we're gonna boycott we're not gonna go to the next game they can't survive without us they, they can and they will i mean we need to work together and build this community together instead of being divisive they'll get enough footy fans to buy tickets and fill seats but it would hurt the game to lose a supporters section like that. And I think it's a bit of a misunderstanding on probably both ends. But at the same time, I also even found myself, you know, letting, uh, get, getting a little sidetracked. And even security actually said, I appreciate the in- intensity and atmosphere, but just watch the language. There's kids around, right? And yeah. I thought, ooh, yeah, I guess I did let one of those slip, didn't I? So... It's, you know, it it happens, and he dealt with me very well, so it's funny because I have an opposite experience of kind of what happened that day, so. Second thing I want to touch on before we get into the most recent games from the Cavs is something I'm hoping that we can avoid as Bruce Meadows is the ref you suck chance. I mean, suck isn't a terrible thing, but A, we don't want uh, Spruce Meadows to be a place where 
people don't want to bring their kids and B, I also don't want to be the opposite and I guess known as the stadium full of kids maybe or, you know, (laughs) stadium full of people that complain at every, you know, every call. Yeah, and after the game I actually had a chance to catch up with a couple of Cavs fans, Paul and Josh, to talk about this very thing. How do you feel about the refuse suck chance? Uh, as much as I want to declare my thoughts of questionable calls, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's like the refs are doing their job. So it's it's one of those like 50-50, like you want to yell like, ah, oh, it's the refs and that's why we lost. Like, well, But they know more about it than I do as a fan. They're just trying to do their job. So yeah. I'm kind of cool with it because... It's it's uh, in the stands. It's it's pandemonium and it's fandom. I guess this is where I get a little lame. I'm all for vulgarity, except for I separate vulgarity and then football chants. I think once you start crossing the line with like adding like vulgar words and stuff, then that's a different. That's not cool, but you're typical. Like, cause a little it's, less classy, I guess. Exactly. It's an all sports. You know. Oh, you suck, ref. Like. It's fun, it's cool, I get it. You know, they're just doing a job, and I, I think the coolest thing tonight was booing Ingham every time he had a touch. That's a, that's always fun to do, but then, like, but keep it there. Like, I heard a couple people, like, yelling some other stuff. Like, nah, like, don't... I don't want to be the city that, like, is known for, oh, that, oh, those Cavalry fans, the guys that yell, beep, 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 beep. devil's advocate here just a little bit there was a an experiment that they had done with i believe epl refs and they had put them in a room and they had muted it and left the sound on and the calls were more likely to be made with the crowd and the players noise being heard by the referee than with it muted so from a pure strategic standpoint as a fan of the team that you want to win being loud helps the difference between the referees at this level and the referees at your kid's U8 game is very different. So I know my cousin was in the stands. He's about, what, 9 or 10, and, you know, he's got the rep, you suck, and I hope that he doesn't take that and then apply it to (laughs) the games that he's going to and playing in and a bit of food for thought. And to be fair, they're they're big boys. They get paid. So we want deaf refs. That's what we want, hashtag deaf refs. Yeah, and, well, I mean, I I, I agree I I want we we want to be loud, but I just think respectful maybe, too. Maybe there's uh, and even more witty, I guess. Chance I just kind of have always hated the ref you suck chant. Even in hockey games, when I go to, it's just it just feels like there was, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. There was very little thought put into it, and it just. I I feel like it could be. Let's be more done, specific you know? and more personal. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like, start yeah. looking up his LinkedIn. Like, yeah. okay, where there do you, you work go. before? You know, like, gotta do some research, guys. You know, look into his like, you know, his prescription is his left eye a little worse than his right. Things like that. Are we, your parents that's, alive? Let's get, let's get smart with this stuff, right? Moving on. Um, Sunday, the Cavs are in action against Forge, and they were looking a bit stale. Um, first halves, Cavs were 
in control, but I mean, it was kind of just fought in the midfield. But then in the second half, Forge really took over. The gaffer, Tommy Wielden, said post-game, not pulling any punches, that they were kind of looking more like an academy squad. I think fatigue could be playing a big part into uh, their their play. Funny enough, though, unfortunately, they looked completely different at the York 9 game, and um, I don't think their heads were quite in the game the way that they could be and have been in some games, and it showed Forge was a little more hungry for the for the ball and for the win there, I think. so. Full-time possession was 56-44% possession for cavalry actually right which is you know something that i give credit to the lads for but forge outshot us greatly um you know the passing percentage was higher for them and if you probably break it down into actual goal goal scoring opportunities it's it's probably not close in that regard either they just looked more potent or meaningful going forward i would say they still have something to fight for that's i think what it comes down to but one thing that I really hope that Tommy still takes into consideration is now this is our second straight loss mm-hmm. to Forge. And I believe that um, Forge could be that team that all of a sudden upsets the top dogs. And that's the problem when you have a, a two-legged final opposed to just a uh, top of the league takes it. Yeah, Forge was rotating players because of the CONCACAF qualifiers that they're in. But still, they were definitely the stronger side. It really showed the depth of the Forge squad, and I think they may have the strongest bench in the league right now. Yeah, and Edgar was a great signing as well. Mm-hmm. I've always liked Edgar. I, yeah, he's he's a great great leader, and he, I think he still has a bit of uh, you know a bit of umph and a bit of drive in him as well. And the talent the talent level is definitely there. He's played with multiple teams in England and things like that you know Newcastle that's where I started watching him and uh yeah he's he's he was a great signing great signing for them so I would be very nervous going into a one-off game at any stadium against those guys so Cavs fall to second place in the fall standings one point behind Forge now and Forge are looking like they could probably take the fall season if the Cavs drop one more game they pretty much have it locked up well there's still lots of games to play but I think um, all these teams below um, below Forge really need to start stringing stringing wins together here because I believe if I last looked Forge had a couple games on a lot of people yeah they're off to Honduras now so yeah that'll be tough and you know, you come back mentally and physically battered and bruised. So Forge, top of the league, seven matches played. So they have one game in hand on Cavalry, Pacific, and the Wanderers. And they have two games in hand on Edmonton, York, and Valor. Yeah, it's going to be tough. They're, like I say, these teams, Edmonton and some of these other teams are really going to have to string wins together. And then they're going to have to beat these big teams they're gonna have to beat cavalry or they're gonna have to beat or both beat cavalry and forge to you know to hop a couple a couple places in these standings so especially edmonton if they want a chance they need to make up ground and they have very little time left to do that because taking into consideration the spring season as well 
and they didn't uh, Jeff Paulus's group didn't have the best of times in the spring season. They've really gelled quite Very slow start. Yeah, they've gelled quite uh, well now, and they're starting to kind of get that rhythm. Um, unfortunate to drop points last night, uh, but I think you know what. At the end of the day, Forge, like Shafe said, I think uh, it's looking like they really are in the driver's seat now, especially with that game in hand. I, I'm I'm happy to see that the Cavs aren't running away with the fall season as well. I, I we want to see this league continue to be really competitive. So and seeing the for Forger gain this international experience right now, and they're getting into their groove, and it really shows. I think next year is going to be completely wide open. Some of these teams are finally kind of starting to find their styles of play and their you know their go-to guys and things like that people that they can rely on and they're yeah they're just starting to build chemistry and things like that we were very lucky that we had chemistry kind of half built for us and some of the other teams did too but we also just we had an amazing you know amazing start and some of some of these other teams were unfortunate to have a couple injuries and, uh, you know, to some of their key main big men. I can think of Pacific jumps to mind, you know, losing De Jong and Haber having a slow start, but now maybe looking like he can, he's performing maybe the way he can, right? And uh, with these short seasons, anyone can really take it if they, if they get into a hot streak at the right time. Johnny Grant opened up the scoring for Forge in the 79th minute with a fantastically placed shot. It was he, nice. He got a little bit of space when um, Escalante and Atacumbe didn't quite close down the space in time, and he was able to settle it and put it right where he wanted it. Has Marco Cardici let in a goal this year that you thought he should have had that one? I don't think he's let one in, you know, and everyone has a bobble or two or this or that. And I think there was that pass back that was mm-hmm. a little scary. It was that Montreal maybe, but yeah. um, he's a very consistent keeper. And the thing is, is he's a shot. He's a, you know, he's a shot blocker that he angles, angles down amazingly and the way that he can, you know, spring from one side of the net to another Giantsopolis started the El Clasico against Edmonton, and Marco's a great keeper, but I kind of wanted to see um, Nico get a little bit more playing time. Maybe if they could have split a little bit more of the games. He's been playing well. I think he's can sometimes be a bit of an unsung hero, but um, the problem that uh, every coach loves to have is uh, which keeper do I go with? They're both great, right? And... Uh, Especially now, we can probably, you know, probably see a few, a few games, maybe coming up in the in the upcoming future here with Nico starting. We might maybe want to give the starter of whoever's going to play in the championship game a couple games before they go into yep. that. Can we just give a round of applause virtually to Jordan Santiago? For sure. For you guys, uh, who don't know, he's our goalkeeping coach, so he has. Five of his students right now in the CPL. Dylan Powley, Nathan Ingham, Marco Carducci, and uh, Nico Giannstopoulos. So, you know what? Uh, four. I miscalculated. But in all fairness to him, he has had an absolute uh, way with these keepers. And, and you know, they're they're playing really well, a lot of them. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Marco move on if he gets signed by someone. Or if Marco stays, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Nico gets a starting job somewhat or in a you know, puts himself in a good position to get a starting job. These keepers are young too, and keepers don't usually come into their prime until a little bit later. And Carducci looks wonderful right now, you know, and hopefully built to get better. And it's the same with Nico and, uh, you know, even... As much as I loved making fun of Ingham and Manbun there, you know, he's a great keeper. They yep. they they played absolutely amazing uh, football. You know that if you had a score on Calvary, it's either got to be a huge deflection or it's got to be a worldie. And that seems to be what's beating the keepers right now are mm-hmm. really good goals because, and I mean, you haven't been able to blame them really for any this season that you thought, mm, that's a bit of a curious moment. Cavs really didn't wake up until they got scored on against Forge. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't think the refing was the best this game. I'm not going to start hashtagging the ref or anything. But in the 80th minute, there was a handball missed in the Forge box that could have really changed the game. Do we need VAR? I think we need VAR next season. Where's the VAR? I we need it. stable live streams before we could even bring in video replay. <laughs> it might be down if there's lightning. It needs to come in. It's coming to the Premier it's League now. It's going into everything else, yes, I guess. Is but it in MLS? I don't. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Caps, caps have been screwed by it a couple, <laughs> a couple times from from the games I watched last season or at the start of this season, but. Um, yeah, I guess like if everybody else is doing it, I don't think it's necessarily the most important thing that we need to get done. Team VAR. Yeah. I mean, it's going to help hopefully clean up things a little bit, and then uh, the chance will move from ref you suck to VAR you suck. So there you, there you go. go. Yeah. Takes a little, yeah. And yeah, and well, and the, there, there's your uh, your deaf referees. <laughs> they don't they don't listen to the. Chance. I support hashtag deaf refs. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag deaf refs. All right, and thirty um, first minute, Pebble the kid comes on for Oliver. This guy, this kid is sixteen years old. He's gonna be going back to high school in the fall. Yeah, so this is one of the guys I wanna. I, I definitely would like to see start a couple matches here. Um, I think he looks hungry. I think he has legs. Stereotypically, these sixteen-year-olds. I think I remember. I think I used to have legs back then too. I yeah. can't remember. Doesn't it make you just feel like a useless human being when there's a sixteen-year-old starting already in the CPL, and we're sitting here now talking about him? Yeah, and he's a tank. He is going to be quite the player. So I'd love to see him develop because he had his first appearance in the El Clasico against Edmonton, and he had fire in his belly. He was running all over the place. Quillian. Yeah, and Quillian in the uh, Forge game came out and crunched him, and didn't he, he didn't even budge. And if you're if you're listening to this wee man, I think you were in total total right to go for that and keep going up for those balls because absolutely it uh, yeah he, he's he's looking he's looking really good really yep. good in the air yeah, and I mean, it gives us another target man because people are double marking Zator they know you know it doesn't take too many uh, reviews of our highlights and this and that to know who, you know, the corners and who the throws are trying to get to, right? So Pebble just jumped straight up for that ball in the 84th minute to try to get ahead on that and was well positioned to do so. And the keeper kind of jumped into him. They should have just kept playing. They shouldn't have awarded the free kick there. 
he is in his box and the keeper has every right to go for that ball, but so does Papel. If the offensive team isn't going to go for headers like that, then there's no point throwing the ball in the box to begin with at all. He took his chances well this year in the USL 2 as well. Um, four goals on seven shots, so that's a pretty good conversion rate. And, uh, you know, he's going to be an exciting guy to watch, and it's just the start, the tip of the iceberg of that conveyor belt of Foothills kids that are going to start coming into the system. Tommy's got a really good um, thing that he kind of left there, and now Leon Hapgood, his assistant, has taken it over. And, I mean, for Pete's sake, you know that these guys are going to just be a— that's the future of Calvary if you want to go watch, you know, what our reserves looks like, even though mm-hmm. we're not technically affiliated to the two clubs. I mean, it's just going to be that conveyor belt. So the Cavs were kind of lucky to get out of that with a one nothing defeat against Forge. It could have easily been 3 nothing, which was unfortunate, seeing how the Cavs were playing just a game before when they took on York 9 on the 21st and came out of that with a 3-1 victory. Tommy Wielden, walking out afterwards, said it could have easily been 22-1. to Could have been 1-1 also. Well, and there was at least one goal that was called back that for an offside that was absolute bonkers. Malanga should have easily had three goals on the night, maybe even four. He was looking good. He He's the kind of guy that he will find those slots and those areas to drift in between defenders. We just need to make sure that we get the ball to him. And I think Nico had a great game that that day and yep he had two assists or three assists and the one was definitely on that on that goal that got called back and uh the York game was beautiful soccer game to watch there was action i i remember turning to you at i think the 35th minute and saying wow i i this I could be, like, this could be halfway through the second half by now, it feels like, just because there's been so much action and so many things going on, this game actually feels longer than some of the other games we've been to, so. Yeah, it was a really exciting game to watch. Like you were saying, Nico Pasquati played a great game, and he was changing up his tactics a bit. We were actually even wondering if the players are, are they listening to the pod? Because Nico was taking our suggestions, faking out like a deep throw, doing it short, you know, being a little bit more selfish. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. we've we've recruited a follower or two, so you never know. But past the pod, right? It's a small but growing group. Yeah. So I think Tommy really just knows. You know, he he knows how to adjust, and he knows what you know we need to switch up and and work on. And he's he's a guy that gets his message across loud and clear. So. Camargo opened up the scoring a mere 90 seconds into the match after a play, a couple of volleys that was all started by a classic miracle whip by Nico Pasquale. Miracle whip. I have never seen something more just polarizing than the Nico Pasquale throws this year. I've had people come and we're talking about, you know, long throws or whatever, and it's like, and it's not that Pasquale throw because that's a foul throw. Nobody, nobody is calling him out but that's a foul throw and then i have people that are like but no one can explain why exactly i know it's it's insane like the amount of people that are just so against the pasquati throws i'm like if the league isn't calling it if the refs aren't calling it it could change that that could be the 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 brand new rule set that comes in next year it'll just be the pasquati rule 
But I think it would just be a bit harsh. I think it's kind of, you know, people just a a little jealous or b yep. you know just kind of trying to find something to gain the advantage back. But if you know if he's doing it legally, I think it's fair game. I think you know if they start changing those rules, I think it's gonna just hurt the game. It's a slippery slow, slope. Slow it down and become a slippery slope to well why can't you do this or why can you do this and yep. so a couple of players that have been looking really sharp that I wanted to keep an eye on was Pebble like you were saying this like to see him start a few more games and also my fellow red the mighty Malik Hamilton whenever he starts a game he plays his heart out i think maybe he started a couple handfuls of games but he always comes out and he makes an impact he's really an exciting player to watch well, him and Nico have had some good chemistry on the on the uh, side sideline there. Um, yeah, I think I think he's warranted a couple starts and some more time. And there's a couple other players that have been really upped their game. When Escalante came on in the Edmonton game as a sub, he came on looking hungry. Yeah, and saying you know, Pepple, we'd love to see, but don't take away from I think. Malonga's playing with a little bit more drive, but I think he's also playing a little smarter as well lately, and he's finding those places that he needs to be for, you know, those drop passes and a quick shot. So it was 2-1 Calvary at half in 45 plus one minute. Busher with an absolute wonder goal, going to be on the highlight reel of the entire CPL season perfect way to end end a half and i mean ingham was having a very frustrating game yeah and busher set up a screen like basically a foot and a half in front of where he was about to kick it i'd never seen a screen put right there and he just put it right around the wall right around his screen and placed that one just perfectly in the top corner goal of the season for cavalry yeah so far absolutely this is going to be one to top there's a few that I've liked, but that one uh, that one was a, a real good one for sure. Jordan Brown v. Whitecaps probably. Uh, yep. Probably that was a well. yeah that that was a good one for sure. I am I'm a free kick lover, so yeah, you'll yeah. never hear me complain about those. So keep it up, Julian. And keep, it was keep from those going in. It was from a similar spot too, from where uh who was it Escalante scored against Valor in like the second game of the season wasn't it mm-hmm. around that sort yep. of same area so mm-hmm. seems to be just uh, a great little hot spot for uh, free kick goals yeah and in the 50th minute Malonga he came in and scored one just left him wide open and he was able to get another one in there yeah like i said the thing i think he's playing a lot smarter and i think he's finding those those openings in in the box and he's really done a great job of you know finding finding his role up there and where he should be yeah it was a great dominant game for the Cavs against York 9 possession was 51 to 49 oh I think we we just we looked like we outclassed them them that game and not necessarily just on skill but I think we came out and wanted it more so yeah and our friends josh and paul had this to say post game i'm glad we won 3-1 the goals we scored were great i'm uncertain on the four goals that were called back it's very weird it's a very twilight zone game but very good it cavalry played really good so squaddy has a special play to my heart like with his 
really long throw and but he's also like he'll go in and just attack everything which I love but Malanga like he'll score goals when you want him to he's a great overall player but he's starting to become a great striker too he's just really good like I just I want to cheer for him and I want him to succeed It's a game that if you look at it on paper, 13 shots to 8, 6 on target to 3, 51 possession to 49, 298 passes to 290, 5 corners to 3. Like, if you look at it on paper and you don't look at the score, you're like, oh, this could be this could be a lot closer. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we were, as, as in Cavalry, we're closer to making that a blowout than York was to tying, tying it. it. And, I mean, if you really analyze the shots, though, it's like we had almost double on-target and off-target shots. So what you're saying is is stats are important, but at the end of the day, 22 men chase the ball, and Cavalry beat York. Yeah, well— That seems I, to be the case. I just think that, like I say, they were more, more potent in the final third, and our back line is another unsung hero for this season. They've— well, this in the spring season, you know, Zator, all those boys, Trafford and all them have played absolutely amazing back there. So stay healthy, boys, please. Yeah, let's uh, let's just pray for for a good bill of health uh, in the last few games, because honestly, if we win the fall league, great. If we don't win the fall league, great. Like, let's just win that final. That final, we want everyone We're to be We're on to the final. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we have to rest all the guys and, like, we lose 4-0 to Pacific, it's not going to be great. But you know what? We're on to the final. Yeah. Next up for the Cavs is Pacific FC, August 28th at home. 7 o'clock kickoff for that one. And I hope to see the foot soldiers back in their perch representing. Pacific are coming off of two wins, 2-1 against Valor and 2-0 against York 9. So they're, they're getting into their pace, and they are sitting in the middle of the table right now, fourth place, three points behind Edmonton. With a game in hand on Edmonton as well. So, in, you know, mathematically, they could be up there if they get some wins going together. Like Doogie alluded to earlier, there's a lot of time left. Everyone's still technically in it. It's just kind of looking at the run of play against some of the upper echelon teams. Uh, Pacific seems to struggle. So. Fall season's a little bit longer, right? So there's a little bit more play still and uh, definitely can have a couple, you know, a couple upsets and a couple standings be jumped here. So it'll be interesting, but they're going to have to, like I say, these teams are going to have to string some wins together and they're going to have to beat the big teams if they want to wanna win the fall league here. So far, we haven't got any of our predictions right. But, you nope. know, why quit now? you got, you got to press ahead, got to soldier on, go forward. So Hey, that's 100%, you know, we're, we're still 100%. It's 100% failure, but, you it's know, on, it's, on it's brand. 100%, right? Stats, baby. Consistency. Yeah. So I'm thinking Pacific versus Cavalry. I never really bet against the Cavs, and I'm not going to start now. So I'm going to go with a a 2-1 victory. For the Cavalry, I think Pacific's going to squeeze one in late in the second half. 
I was thinking a 2-1 myself, so I think I'm going to go with a 2-0 for the Cavalry, though. Well, see, we are all on the same wavelength, as I, too, was thinking (laughs) 2-1. However, we're all thinking it. It's not going to happen, so I'm going to go with a 1-0 squeaker for uh, the Cavalry team. I think it's going to be hard fought. I think there's going to be a goal perhaps called back. I think there's going to be drama because uh, Pacific really wants it. But at the end of the day, the home side will be victorious. Oh, the drama. Oh, the drama. Team VAR, hashtag Def Refs. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bow River Brigade. Music is by Mitch Balot. Find him on all your streaming services and online at mitchbalot.com. That's M-I-T-C-H-B-E-L-O-T com for all upcoming shows thanks to canada footy news for all their support pass the pod please uh you know we're greatly appreciated if you guys wanted to give us a follow at uh any of our accounts instagram twitter at brb footy brb f-o-o-t-y we're gonna keep uh up to date on day-to-day away games and places to watch those around the city. Um, yeah, tag us in your posts online. Let us know who you're watching, how, what you thought of the game. Shoot us an email at brbfooty at gmail.com and yeah, tell your friends. Pass the pod. And if there's somewhere that we are not and you would like to hear us, like Shafe said, give us an email, drop us a line, let us know uh, what you're thinking and give us some, some feedback. Send all your hate mail to brbfooty at gmail.com And until next time, I'm Shafin. We'll see you later. Cheers.